Hey everyone, this is Crime and Wine Down. I'm Emily. And I'm Madison. And we're here to tell you some stories about true crime. And drink a lot of wine at the same time. <laughs> yeah, what? What are we drinking tonight? We're drinking a little, um, it's a French wine, a little menage a trois. Interesting. <laughs> it's a nice red. Um, we will give you some reviews at the end. Yeah, um, we'll save I'm that on, for later. I'm on glass number two. And I'm on three, maybe four. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> um, anyways, so, you know, Madison and I have been friends for... God, How long? Seven? Seven years? I was thinking about this earlier. So we met when I was 20. And I was 20. Well. Yeah. Okay. So it's been, yeah, seven years. Seven, <laughs> seven, eight years. Something like that. But um, we recently got together and we're like, you know what? This is quarantine time. What else are we going to do? I also have no hobbies. So this is also another reason why we wanted to do this. But I do love crime. I do know that. Yeah, we we jumped on that um, and decided this was a great way to spend our Friday night. Drinking wine, talking about crime. Wine, winding down, winding down. Hence the name. Yes. <laughs> so what you'll be getting tonight is us talking about some crime stories. We're each going to tell a story. Um, we'll kind of talk about the wine at the end. Mm -hmm. We're not really experts, but we're <laughs> casual. Word for it. But we're casual um, ca wine connoisseurs. Exactly, and that's about it. I mean, there's not too much that sets us apart from any other crime podcast, but this is just a way for us to talk about something yeah. we find interesting. And hopefully you find it interesting as well. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll be entertained. And should we say the trigger warning though? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> um, part of our trigger warning is that we're talking about really serious stories. Nice. And when yeah. I say stories, I mean they're not made up. Like these are stories about really? people's lives. And even just with that introduction, I feel like doesn't do justice to. Um, kind of what's involved in these, um, like again, again, I keep saying stories, but stories no, we're yeah. talking about, um, and we don't want to make light of anything. Yeah. And unfortunately that's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> we're sharing it with you while drinking wine. Yeah. But. And, um, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that these are real lives. Mm -hmm. People are affected by this and... You know, this stuff kind of sucks. And I think that's why a lot of people find it fascinating. Right. So, just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, that was our trigger warning, but now we'll actually get to the crime for you. Well, I guess another thing, we might swear yes. every now and then. So, if you're listening with any kids in the room, if you are a kid, just know. <laughs> this is not okay. And wait till you're 21 to drink alcohol. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. So, is there is there anything else you feel like think, we missed? Wait, let me go back to my notes. <laughs> Intro, wine, decided moment. Okay, no, I think we're ready. All right. So, I think when you said decided moment, that means I'm going first. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> where we are in the our okay, outline. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so first, I want to say, 
I read this incredible book called If You Tell, A True Story of Murder, Family Secrets, and the Unbreakable Bond of Sisterhood, and this is by mm-hmm. Greg Olson, and mm-hmm. that's what inspired my part of the episode today, yeah. um, and I got most of my information from this book. Um, essentially, Greg Olson kind of interviews a bunch of witnesses to mm. these crimes, um, which is kind of a really great and unique way yeah. to kind of explain. So it's like firsthand knowledge about these stories. Yeah, and it's essentially about a shared trauma growing up with Michelle Notick as mm. a mother. Oh my god. Right? So... Um, when I listen to stories, like, I have a hard time picturing who's who, mm-hmm. so I think I'm going to go through yeah, people in this. Okay. Um, that might be helpful to you or to anyone else. Yeah, but, no, I, I'd like that. So, when I talk about, um, Shelly Notick, her okay. name's Michelle. Um, That's she, the mom. Yes. Okay. She is the mom of this story. Okay. Um, so essentially... Most of the story is going to revolve around her actions and, like, who she was as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, David Notek is her husband, and he's also the father of some of the children involved. Some. Some. Okay. Yeah, not all. Got so, it. I'll make yeah. note of that. So, we have Shelly and David. They're together. Okay. Um, in this story. Um, so, Nikki is the oldest daughter. She was born first. Okay. Um, And David is not her father. Okay. Yeah. And then she has younger sisters, Sammy and Tori, and David is their father. Okay. So that is the the core family. Got it. So there's three sisters and then the mom and dad. Yes. And the oldest is not the daughter of the dad. Yes. But I think if you were to ask her, like, David is the father figure of her life has been around since she was young. Okay. Um, Shane Watson is Shelly's nephew, and so he okay. is the cousin of those three daughters, and I think he's a little bit older than the oldest daughter. Okay. We have Kathy Loreno. Um, she is a friend of Shelly at the beginning of this story. Okay. And she's also, at one point, boards with the family, so she lives there. Similarly, we have Ron Woodworth. Same thing, a boarder and friend. So do they live in, like, a big house, or, like... We will get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, good question, good question. (laughs) And then later in the story, we have James McClintock. And he eventually employs Shelly. All right. Old man... Sounds like a random man. old man in the story. Yes, he is the final final character. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm so, ready for this. Okay, yeah, I'm it sounds like There's a lot like of important players. There's a lot of players. Also, I will say, when I first started reading this book, I had no idea it was a true story. And I found it horrifying. <laughs> Even just so the whole time you thought it was like a non-fiction. Wait, non-fiction. <laughs> a fiction. <laughs> I thought it was some type of mystery novel. Yeah, I mean, with the Um, name, like, If You Tell. Yeah, and I think that's normally what I read. I normally just read novels to kind of escape 
reality. Right. Um, and I was really taken aback by, like, all these gruesome details. I was like, who makes this up? Yeah. And it turns For fun. Out, yeah, it turns out Mr. Greg Olson not making this up. Which is even worse. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, so much worse. Yeah. Um, all right, so this story takes place in Raymond, Washington, and it's it the core of the story is in like the late 90s early 2000s okay so it's like recent yeah no that's yeah. totally recent i still think it's like 1999 so in yeah my head, that's we recent. love choker necklaces <laughs> forever <laughs> i've actually haven't worn a choker in a really long time side note so give me your give me props on that i'm proud of you <laughs> all right so we start off I want to give you some background on Miss Shelley. Um, so Shelley was born into a broken family, and she spent most of her childhood living with her dad and her stepmom. And they had all sorts of trouble with her um, just raising her. Mm -hmm. I want to also add, like, I guess Shelley doesn't really have... A word in this story. Yeah, like so a voice. I, yeah, she doesn't have a voice in this story, so I want to be mindful of that. But yeah, definitely. this is on accounts of like her family. Her family. <laughs> yeah, her family members. So I don't want to. There's always it, two sides. Yeah, the story. there's always two sides. But it sounds like from, like from various um, people in her life as a mm -hmm. child, she had difficulties growing up. So. Um, she often lied about things. She got kicked out of a lot of schools. Um, she had a very short temper. Mm -hmm. um, at one point in the book, they mentioned that she actually made some allegations against her father that he was sexually abusing her. I was going to say that. Like, were her parents abusive? Because it sounds like something maybe was causing yeah, her Yeah, and it turns out, like, that wasn't true. Oh, like, she made it up. She, yeah. Okay. Like, she was... I don't want to say she's trying to get attention because I think when you think about a child, right, mm -hmm. like, they don't know what they're doing on some level. Yeah. You know? Right. She, her needs weren't being met in some way, but that's not the nicest way to get attention from your, <laughs> right. from your dad, right? You don't go accusing people. So we'll just start off there. It sounds like she had a rough childhood for whatever reason, um, but she didn't really have a close emotional bond with her parents. Okay. What I guess and a, a lot of kids don't, actually. I mean, you know that better than anyone. Like, we also didn't. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not talking about you and your parents. I am talking about your role as yes. a therapist, which we did not talk about. Yeah. So. Um, side note. Yeah. Um, so I am a psychotherapist. I work at a high school for this nonprofit. It's really fulfilling work. I'll probably talk about it in various yeah. episodes of this podcast. Right. Um, but I guess that's kind of where my lens comes from. Exactly. We're talking about children, children family behavior. dynamics, all yeah. that behavior. Yeah. Um, do you want to go ahead and take this tangent to talk about <laughs> what you do? Yes. We'll just take this little side time. But um, yeah, growing up, I was like always fascinated by crime. Mm -hmm. And my family still thinks I'm just like the weirdest human and so morbid for like watching forensics files on repeat. 
But I always knew the law was like what I wanted to be involved in for my career. That's so awesome. So now I am a paralegal, still involved in the law, but not so much in crime and like criminal law, which is why I'm still, you know, reading every crime article there is Mm -hmm. and now doing a podcast about it. So yeah. So I think, I mean, I'm excited to learn from you because like I don't understand the law at all except for the laws around therapy that's right all i know yeah so <laughs> well i know like every serial killer there ever is so if you ever have a question about that feel free to ask me <laughs> um so yeah that was a that was a great, good tangent great tangent, good tangent. um so i'll start off with talking about some of the daughters um nikki and sammy are we're pretty close in age um and you know the book goes into to a lot of specifics about specifics about this um if you want to know some more gruesome details i don't know like (laughs) why you would necessarily want to but again it's a great book but um nikki and sammy endured a lot of abuse from their mom um i want to say it started when they were I don't want to say, like, young children, mm-hmm. but it seemed like Shelly kind of took all of her anger mm-hmm. towards about everything and directed it towards her daughters. Um, so the abuse ranged from, like, physical, emotional, psychological. Um, she really seemed to enjoy, like, humiliating them mm-hmm. um, as a way to, like, discipline them. And a lot of terrible. Oh, so terrible. And it sounds like a lot of the time, the girls had no idea what they were being punished for. Right. It just came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere, and they would just kind of shut down and say, like, I'll never do it again. But they had had no idea what they were being punished for. So how can you learn if it's just, like, out of nowhere? Yeah. It was erratic. It was intense. Sounds awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And at some point... In their teenage years, Nikki and Sammy, their early teenage years, um, Shane comes into the picture, their cousin. He actually ran away from home, and Shelly was like, you can totally stay here. We'll take care of you. Nice aunt, quotation marks. (laughs) Yeah, super nice. Um, And so Shane also becomes one of her her victims, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she has him doing tons of chores, um, you know, some of the, the punishments they mentioned in the book, you know, they even named something called, I won't say that one for the end, but <laughs> oh God, I'm nervous. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, trigger warning again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when they were in trouble, sometimes it involved like sleeping outside, um, just like on the front porch. Um, Nikki talks about being locked in the closet for days at a time and provided with a bucket that got empty. To use the bathroom in? Yes. So she was just in a closet, but she actually talked about how, like, the closet was somewhat comforting because she She's away from her mom. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there was locks on the outside of the doors Mm -hmm. to their rooms. Yeah. So they would get, like, locked in their rooms. It wasn't to keep people out right it was to keep them in um oh my god yeah and 
Um, another thing they mentioned was something they called wallowing, which was she would make them kind of roll around in the mud slash snow outside, um, naked, and basically just like roll around and get completely dirty and freezing Freezing, cold. yeah. Yeah, and like... Just for fun. Yeah, for just fun. So you'd watch yeah. them, yell at them while this is all happening, and they're just crying and saying, like, please, like, I'll, I'll never do it again. And you don't know any different. So you think, you probably think this is, like, normal, maybe? Like, I don't know. You don't know what other people are going through. So. Yeah, and it's, it's like, and it seems, it seems like Nikki took the most. Is that the oldest? The oldest daughter. Okay. But at the same time, like... I mean, they're all going through it. Right. Like, they're, they're all in such, like, survival mode that right. they don't even have time to, like, question what is going mm-hmm. on. Um, I mean, they're going to school. That's the craziest thing to me about, like, children who are abused. Like, they still go to school and try to make the best out of things. And, yeah, you know. How do you focus on algebra when you know you have to go home to that yeah that's just crazy to me and so heartbreaking yeah so when I started reading about that I was like this is a crazy effed up story who wrote this and then I was like oh it's a true story yeah Um, so when I spoke about like them even being like humiliated as a as a punishment um, there was one instance where Nikki talked about how her mom would make Shane and her, who were very similar in age, slow dance naked with each other while everyone and their family watched. Cousins. Mm-hmm. That is so traumatizing. That's I can't disgusting. even like begin to dive into that. Yeah, like it's so horrible. Like, what was she getting out of that? I don't know. I mean. Even as a therapist, I am right. Just like out, no words. Yeah, no words. I mean, I think it just came down to like she enjoyed feeling like she had power Powerful. over yeah. anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it just came down to like her children is is just so awful, and like I can't believe they even were able to tell this story. Right. Like, they, they are true survivors. Um, anyway, so when Tori was born, she's a little bit younger than Nikki and Sammy and Shane. Um, and at this point in time, Shelly's friend and hairdresser, Kathy, came to board at their house with a new baby. So... This is Kathy Lorenzo, as I mentioned when I was introducing all the people in the story. Um, and essentially, she started off like helping out with Tori, mm-hmm. helping out with the kids, doing chores around the house to kind of pay, I don't want to say pay her rent, but like as a boarder. Yeah. Just Wait, I still need a better picture. What is this house? Like, it sounds like, is it like this big house with a bunch of rooms? So that's how I imagined okay. it. But... I think when I looked on Wikipedia, it's like a small, it's a smallish house, but yeah. I do know that um, they have like some farm animals. So okay. I think about like them doing chores, they're, they're like upkeeping the house. Okay. Um, I also don't think the house 
like, was super well taken care of. Yeah. I'm just like, where are all these people living? And, like, why would you ever want to live there? But maybe they don't have any other options. Like, the borders. Maybe that's a last resort. Yeah, it sounds like Shelly was really good at finding people. Mm. Well, we'll get to that. It sounds (laughs) like Kathy was actually in need and... Shelly essentially used it to her advantage. Yeah. Yeah, So slowly the children kind of notice that, um, Kathy is kind of taking the, the brunt of a lot of the psychological abuse. Mm -hmm. And even though they see this as like bad, they're just kind of happy that like someone else is getting this negative attention. Yeah. Wait, so you said that she started to direct it towards her friend? Her friend. Okay. Um, Which is crazy. It's pretty crazy. Like, yeah. I think about, like, if you came and started living at my house, and right. I was just <laughs> starting to, like, tell you to do all these chores, and, like, I'd be you. like, goodbye, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> but ya. like I said, I think I think Shelly kind of had an eye for people pe- who are in need. For, who yeah. are in need, and, you know, I think she would do it gradually. Mm-hmm. And it's it just speaks to, like, when you are psychologically and emotionally abusing someone, like, that affects you. And yeah, I'm, well, what's that term? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Where you start to, like, be in love with your abuser or, like, not want to leave. Yeah. So, yeah, it totally goes to that. Yeah, I think there was, yeah, there's something also about, like, when your caretaker or the person mm-hmm. that you rely on is really unpredictable Mm -hmm. like you really want to please them Mm. you know yeah just to get on their try to get on their good side Mm -hmm. or like which probably would never happen anyway though yeah but I think just like when it's not always bad Mm -hmm. you know there's that hope and I think this really speaks to that story I think a lot of people involved were always really hopeful that things would get better um So, back to what's happening with Kathy. Um, She starts to kind of take the heat for Shelly's, I wrote, rageful fits. (laughs) Because that's kind of... I think that's a good description. Yeah. Um, But as the girls mentioned in the book, it seems like Kathy loses like 100 pounds while she's living with them. Like, What what time frame is this? Is this like... I want to say it's a few years. Okay. But not a long time because, I mean, the kids are in the house the whole time. Right. Um, Shane is still there throughout this whole process. So I think, honestly, I want to say it's like two years. Okay. Maybe three. I could be wrong. So is she starving her friend? (laughs) So essentially she was giving her pills. No one really knows what she was giving her. She was just like working her to the bone. She was Adderall. I don't know though, like I mean you think Shelly you think Shelly had a plug for Adderall? I don't know. Did Adderall even exist in like the nineties? I honestly don't know. Maybe. But I'm I'm thinking it's not Adderall. Okay. I feel like it's more of a sedative. Like to keep them like emotionally in control. Interesting. Right. I can see that. Because when I think about Adderall, <laughs> it's definitely not Adderall. Just throw that out there. I don't know. We don't know what the drug is, but um, 
Yeah, so she loses a bunch of weight. She's malnourished. Um, Shelly's also, like, physically abusing her, like, beating the living out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where she, like, loses consciousness. Yeah. And so in what? one of... Yeah. So in one of these instances, she's, like, losing consciousness... Like, Shelly kind of, like, drags her into the place she's staying, which is, like, this really gross room. Um, and the kids are kind of like, wow, like, this is even bad for, like, what we're yeah. used to. Yeah. And the next, they don't really hear, like, what happens. And Shelly, you know, approaches them and is like, you know what, like, Shelly had, like, a rough few nights, but she's decided to go live with her boyfriend. Oh, she just mysteriously leaves? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so Kathy... It's deemed that Kathy has found... You know, refound her... Her... The love of her life, whatever. Right. And... Um... Yeah, the girls are kind of... And Shane are kind of left with, like... Wait, like, last time I saw her, there was bruises all over her face. You were beating her. You were beating her, and she was, like, throwing up everywhere. Mm. And losing consciousness. So, basically, the daughters and Shane were denied the full truth of what happened to her. Um, And then, yeah, she said she went to live with a boyfriend far away. Um, However... Like, Shane, Shane was the oldest. He was, he was kind of first to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this isn't okay. Yeah, this is not okay. Yeah. Um, he actually even approached Nikki about it, saying, like, I think, like, he found, like, a picture of the abuse. Like, the injuries Wait, that so Shelly was taking pictures of everything? I don't really like, Honestly, guys, I read this book, like, a month ago. I can't remember. <laughs> I can see that, though. Because you know how, like, serial killers take a picture of, like... Maybe. Or maybe, like... Maybe he had taken a picture. I think it was, oh. like, a Polaroid picture. So he, like, wanted to, like, be able to show it to someone, maybe? Yeah. So, I mean, who would believe that? I mean, that's yeah, exactly. crazy. So story. he, like, stashed the photo somewhere. Um, and... Shane was really trying to get, like, Nikki to, like, be a witness with him, I think. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, like, the direction Shane was going in. Um, and a few a few days later, Shane is pretty much correct in his assessment of the situation. And David... We'll get into David, actually. David's the dad. He's the dad. He has and not been in here at all. Yeah. Well, he is... He's just, like, blindly under the control of Shelly. Is like, he, like, working? I just want to know he where, does, he, where he He does is. work a lot, and I think he's someone who wants to believe that he married a good person. Right. That he just kind of ignores Takes every red flag mm-hmm. and horrible thing he sees. Um, and he, and he wants to be there for his children. Like, he knows how manipulative Shelly is, and yeah. that, like, if he tries to leave her, like, it's just... But he's not like, standing up for his kids at all, which is kind yeah. of horrifying, and it's almost as bad as her, and like, oh, he's a total bystander. Yeah. But I think his intention was, 
if I try to leave, I'm worried that I won't be there. Right. It could get worse, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like she kind of had that power over everyone she talked to. Like, very charming. Like, someone who's just charming when you mm-hmm. first meet them. I mean, the okay, fact she that... She's a sociopath. I want to talk about this oh, after you're done. But yes. everything I'm hearing is, like, sociopath. Oh, for sure. Sociopaths are charming. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, a, f- a few days later, um, Shelly's like, we got to get rid of this body. And she tells David to get Shane to help with it. And they go to some part of their property and they burn Kathy's body. The, so Sh- Shane agrees to help. I mean, he's forced I think into he's for- it. He's totally yeah. forced into it. Um, and, you know, after that, I think... Shelly's kind of realized what she's done. Not necessarily, like, remorseful, but, like, oh, I can get in trouble for this. Like, Mm -hmm. my kids aren't, like, three and four anymore. They're preteens. Like, the police police could come. People could come and ask, like, what's the last thing you saw of Kathy? So she Mm -hmm. even goes through, like, guys, this is what happened with Kathy, remember? Like, kind of feeding them She left with her boyfriend. Yeah, like, she is adamant about that. Um, And after the disposal of Kathy's body, um, one day after school, Shelly kind of approaches the girls and is like, oh, Shane left for Alaska. He... Excuse me? He got a job, like, on a fisher's boat. <laughs> and he's going to make some money. The most far-fetched story yeah. ever. I mean, I think he's, like, 19. So it could be plausible. It could still. be, but, like, he just essentially vanished. And the girls were like, he wouldn't just, like, leave without saying bye. Right. So. Sketch. So he did. <laughs> so, oh, I don't want to laugh about it, because this is the most heartbreaking part. But Trigger warning. Yeah, I mean, it's just so shitty. Like, you know, the fact that Shelly's, like, sitting there and pretending to be on conversation with the phone with Shane and, like, being, oh, he just called. Like, right. he didn't get to say hi. To make everything seem okay. Yeah. And so, um, well, fast forward. I feel like I'm taking a long time with this story, <laughs> but it's just so interesting. It's good, yeah. yeah. It's so, like- years down the road... There's continued abuse to the daughters. Uh, Nikki and Sammy graduate from high school. Um, Nikki's at the point where she's like, I'm completely done. Like, Yeah, I'd be like, I want bye. nothing to do with this. Dude. Yeah, but unfortunately, like, with that, like, she's kind of ousted. It's kind of like, you can imagine if you had a mom like Shelly and mm-hmm. she said, you can't talk to this sibling you have anymore. Like, right. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. You I know. can totally see that. So Tori, the youngest daughter, kind of grew up being like, who is Nikki? Like, why did she abandon our family? Mm-hmm. Like, She didn't know the story. Yeah. So Tori was totally too little to remember anything about Kathy or kind of what happened. Um, but at around this time, Shelly made a new friend. His name was Ron. Oh, was this the random old man you talked about? No, this is a different. Oh. This is a different border slash friend. Okay. So he's kind of in a tough spot. He was living in a trailer, I believe, and um, 
he had recently broke up with his boyfriend, so he's he's kind of upset. Yeah. And Shelly, he's also like having a hard time with his mom. Um, he's kind of he's like in his fifties. Okay. Um, so I midlife crisis maybe. Maybe. Um, but he's just having a rough time, and Shelly's like, you know what, like come stay with us. Like I could always use help on our property. Of course she did. Of course she did. Um, and you kind of start seeing this similar pattern, you know, Ron's working all day to complete all these chores. He eventually, I mean, it's to the point where he kind of becomes compliant in like these unjustified and extreme abuse. Um, you know, like there's even an example in the book where it talks about like, she would make him complete chores all day like this is outside like with the livestock Mm -hmm. gravel all this stuff with no shoes on like in the middle of summer yeah and then at the end of the day she would have him soak his feet in bleach okay my mind just goes to these people must have had such a hard life that they think this is okay like they're okay with this because I'm thinking if that was you or I we we wouldn't like be gone so fast or any normal like person who has like you know i feel like they must have been at such a low in their lives that they were willing to accept that yeah i do know that like sammy did have a boyfriend in high school and i think she was pretty well liked in high school but i think she kind of just always wrote it off like my mom my mom's really weird about this stuff mm-hmm. like and, and people were, I don't want to say accepting of it, but they, like, yeah. understood, like, you might just have to wait longer, like, when you pick her up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so she seemed to have, like, I don't want to say the easiest time, but, like, because Nikki was kind of, like, this, like, hated, excuse me, daughter, mm-hmm. um, Sammy was able to kind of, like, get some ease. I mean, her life wasn't easy at all. But, yeah, but she wasn't the hated one. Yeah. So, anyways, back to Ron, um, from accounts from the daughters, um, he was also taking, like, meds from Shelly, and it just, he was just, like, a zombie. I um, want to know what these meds are. I know. I want to know. I should do, should more research. <laughs> but at this point in time, it sounds like he was just really compliant. Like, he would even just, like, he would beg for her forgiveness, you know, she would almost be, like get the F out of here. Like, she'd just be pissed at him. Like, it's almost like he somehow still wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And, like, she was almost annoyed by that. Right. Like, what? <laughs> like, she wasn't, like, she almost, like, Shelly almost wasn't getting what she wanted out of this relationship, which mm-hmm. is, like, total control and fear. Right. She wasn't getting the fear. He was happy to be there. <laughs> I wouldn't say happy, but he was compliant. <laughs> No. He was definitely compliant. Um, and so, around this same time, Shelly had also begun a new friendship with this man named James. And he's 81 years old. Okay, that's the guy I'm pretty about. sure, I'm pretty sure he was a veteran. I could be wrong. But she kind of became his caretaker. I don't think he really had anyone left to kind of take care of him. And she was just, like, putting on the charm for him, like, Mm -hmm. rubbing his feet. Like, while Ron is just, like, 
suffering. She like has James come over and is like treating him to a spa lifestyle. Like what? Yeah. But it turns out James had a really nice house and um somehow Shelly convinced him to put her on his will. That and, is like mind blowing to me. Yeah, and she became like the full beneficiary or the main beneficiary. Right. On his, like of his assets. Okay. Oh and then God, you have to be so he kind of conveniently passes away. Now that she's the main beneficiary for his estate, like, hello. Mm-hmm. And also at this point, it's almost like Shelly kind of had a problem. I mean, she had a lot of problems. Yeah. But <laughs> she also has this problem with Ron now, who's just, like, super freaking attached to her. And mm-hmm. she's like, what the heck? I was trying to, like, abuse you. Whatever. And he, but at the same time, like, he's kind of unpredictable. Like, he gets emotional, understandably, and I think he does try to escape at one point. And the 81 year old man? No, 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 no. The 81 year old man, he's done. He's gone. He mysteriously dies. But Ron, he's like 57 at this point. Oh, got it. Okay. Tries to get away. They find him, like, around the corner. Like, he didn't make it very far. Mm -hmm. Um. And essentially, he go Ron goes missing in two thousand three. Classic. Yeah. So he just goes missing. Um, Not surprising. I think something that I didn't mention before, but as you can see in this pattern, Shelley also had this way of isolating people. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it sounds like Kathy and Ron. And Shane were all very isolated people, right? Like Shane ran away, ran away, ran away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy was in a tough time. I don't think she was actually with that boyfriend. No. It sounds like she didn't have a close relationship with family, and I think at times, like if Kathy's mom called Shelly, be like, "Oh yeah, she's gone with the boyfriend," like. Right. So Shelly knew this and isolated them even further. Yeah. For her yeah. benefit. And and Ron had was having a hard time with his mom. And I think Shelly kind of drove a divide for that further. And then, I mean, he had just broken up with a boyfriend. He didn't have any children. So that kind of worked in her favor, unfortunately. Um, so... Later, you know, the girls are starting to kind of notice there's this recurring theme, like people are disappearing. Are literally disappearing. I mean, three people who have lived at this house have disappeared at this point. Yeah, I want to know what's going on through their minds. Like, they have to know. So at this point, like, the daughters begin to fear for their life. Nikki had moved out at this point. Sammy was in college or community college. I Good. Think she lived, she yeah, she lived out. with a boyfriend. And, you know, they were really hoping that, like, Tori wasn't suffering the same abuse. I would not be able to leave my little sister there. I think for some reason they just thought, like, they never saw it because, mm-hmm. like, when they were there, it was directed at them. Right, so they're hoping that the cycle didn't continue yeah. on Yeah, and her. so when they kind of found out that it was, 
after like really confronting their sister about it their main goal was like we got to get Tori out of here yeah duh um, oh my God. and they kind of come up with a plan with the help of their grandma who was like Shelly's stepmom okay who like reported all these right issues um to kind of report it to the police Finally, all those years later, finally it gets to the police. Yeah, finally. I'm just like, where, where are the other adults? Right, and this whole story through all the years, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was a wee little baby in the '90s, so (laughs) I don't know. But, um, I mean, it breaks my heart to think that like there was no one at school. None of her, none of the girls' friends' parents. Right. No teachers. Like, no one. But, I mean, it sounds like Shelly ran, like, such a tight ship. Right. You know. So, now I'm going to kind of switch gears. I'm going to talk about what we know now. Okay. So they went to the police, and now yeah. this is what So Shelly continues to, like, plead her innocence. She won't admit to anything. But by getting her involved and the whole family to talk about what happened, a lot of the information is gained through David, the husband, because he's implicated in all these crimes. Right. Right? So he wants to kind of point the finger. I don't even know that. I think he's just, like... Now that he's involved and being tried, he's like, this is what happened. Just wants to own up to it? I think. Okay. You know, he doesn't sound like the most assertive person, (laughs) so I can't speak on his behalf. Right. But, yeah, like I said, we get a lot of information from David. Um, It sounds like even within the trial, Shelly, I have a quotation, showed extreme indifference to human life. Um, she was charged with two counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of Kathy and Ron. And David was charged with first-degree murder in the death of Shane. So, I'm going to backtrack. Remember how I talked about Shane moved to Alaska? Right. Unquote. Right. So, it turns out David, like, makes his account or tells the account of, like, what happened with Shane and essentially, Shelly was like, we need to take care of Shane. He can't be trusted. Like, he's going to ruin our whole family. And she's like, David, like, go take care of it. Wait, so David. David so the David, dad. David goes with his gun and shoots Shane. So he's actually not so quiet. He killed his nephew. Yes. And the craziest part of it, David said he went and he killed Shane, shot him, came back in, tells Shelly, like, the deed is done, and she goes, why would you kill our nephew, you crazy? Oh my god, she's so manipulative. Wow. Isn't that crazy? living in an insane asylum. Oh my god. Yes. So... David was charged with first-degree murder of Shane. He was also charged with rendering criminal assistance and unlawful disposal of human remains. So it turns out he burned he burned the bodies 
of all three of the victims I named. So he was way more involved than we originally, than I originally thought. Yeah. I thought he was just kind of there, not really, like, knowing, but not putting in the work. I mean, it just sucks, because I feel like he wouldn't have done any of this if it wasn't for Shelly. Right. But she had such an incredible hold on him, obviously, that he wouldn't... Like, he was definitely, like, I don't want to kill Shane, like, let's yeah. not do this, but he was just, like, so afraid at that point, like, what was going to happen to yeah. their family, you know, I think he just couldn't believe that she had ill intentions. Well, it's interesting because normally it's the other way around, where it's the male who is, like, doing all these crimes, and then the female is, like, super scared. So it's an interesting dynamic that they have that it's switched like that. And it's interesting that, now that you say that, I think of, like, other other horrific stories mm-hmm. I've read. A lot of times, the, the male does both the manipulation and the physical aspects. Right. And it sounds like in these instances, like... Shelly was doing all the manipulation, Mm -hmm. but, like, in manipulating her husband, she got those physical aspects. To do the dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. The dirty work done. Um, So, through all these, like, plea negotiations, both Shelly and David plea guilty to some of the charges in 2004. Um, but Shelly entered something called an Alfred plea, mm. which I don't know if you've heard of that. I have, but remind me what okay, the definition so, is. Maybe? Yeah, I want to hear your take on it. So this is where she doesn't admit responsibility for what happened, but she acknowledges the prosecutor's case against her. That's right. So she's saying if she went to trial, she knows she would most likely be charged guilty. Mm-hmm. But she's not admitting guilt. Yeah, that's always so crazy to me. Yeah, like, what does that even freaking mean? Basically, like, yeah, I always <laughs> found that, I don't know, I just found that so interesting. Like, yeah, for me, that's basically, a guilty verdict. Yeah, it's like saying, like, oh, finger guns, you got me, <laughs> but I won't ever say I did it. Isn't it so crazy that that's an actual plea within our, like, legal system? That's exactly what I was talking about earlier. I don't understand. So. <laughs> um, so, because of that, or additionally, so she, she did the Alfred plea. Uh-huh. She also pled guilty to one count of second degree murder and one count of manslaughter. Okay. So I think she's not taking full responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she actually only gets sentenced to 22 years in prison. And she's going to do half of that for good behavior, right? Most likely. I don't think she's going to get good behavior. No, but that's, I mean, like, if she's not breaking the rules in jail, and a lot of women don't, they're kind of just... That, I mean, I want to say, like, I don't want to... I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, hopefully she acts well, but at this point, I don't want her to get early, so. <laughs> no, I think she actually is supposed to get out soon, because this happened in 2004, right? Okay. So, I mean, I guess in, like, five years. Yeah. Um, I think somewhere in the book, 
and in other research I've done online, she did not, she's not been behaving well. Okay, so she's still in jail. Yeah, she's like, like yeah, she's an extreme okay. manipulator. We're yeah. still not in jail. Yeah. Um, David was sentenced to only 15 years in prison, and he is out. He's out walking free? Yes. Oh my god. He is out walking free. He's still in Washington, and he works at a seafood processing plant. And wow. Yeah, and that the daughters, with the exception of Nikki, because David's not her biological mm-hmm. father, occasionally communicate with him, but not with their mother, because they believe any contact with her would endanger them and their families. Wow. I, like, would love to see an interview with her, you know, and, like, get her side of the story. Shelly? Yeah, just because I want to know what she has to say about her actions. Yeah. You know, I can only I can only imagine how hope those girls must have felt so hopeless and helpless, right? Because they didn't tell anyone, you know, and to like grow up in that kind of environment. Yeah, I'm just so do, like, do they have any families of their own? Do you know? Like, do they grow up and have kids and like? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I I think Sammy and Nikki at the the end of the book kind of talk they talk about their current situation or or the author does um and I think they do have like healthy relationships Mm -hmm. um but I don't think I think they were still like 23 24 right you know not not at the point where they were really considering like having a family but yeah yeah so one of the notes I took down when you were telling the story like, so do you think she's a sociopath? Sorry, guys. I'm just trying to more. Because <laughs> um, I feel like women are less likely to be called sociopaths. But, I mean, the minute I heard everything and, like, how manipulative she was and for no real reason. I mean, it sound to me, it's hard to make, a, like, a diagnosis when the person's not in front of me. Mm-hmm. But, like you said, like, how manipulative she is, the lack of remorse she has, and, I mean, we didn't even mention at the end of the story, you know, we don't even know what happened to that James, James Mc, crap, I can't remember his last name, but James, the the person she received the assets from. You know, his case is unsolved. Oh, right. Okay. I was they like, don't know her involvement. Okay. So, least, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like if you would have... She's just someone who seems like she is very hot or cold. Yeah. And she's, she's hot when she wants something from you. So, maybe she's not a sociopath. No, I'm, I'm saying that is totally in line with that okay you know so do you so is sociopath a disorder like is that like part of like could you diagnose someone as a a therapist so the main diagnosis which i'm actually really happy you asked this because i feel like i hear a lot of misinformation about this yeah totally in the world i'm calling the person who cut me off a sociopath like you know what i mean (laughs) like i'm throwing it out very loosely Yes. And so the main diagnosis you will see for someone who kind of lacks empathy, lacks Mm, remorse, um, 
which is very much associated when you, you hear the word psychopath as well. Mm-hmm. It's actually called antisocial personality disorder. Oh, that's the technical term. Yes. Okay. And so, you know, when someone says they're antisocial, you know, the way we use that in popular culture isn't necessarily, like, mm-hmm. technically correct. Because antisocial means you have zero care for human connection. Right. So we're not using it correctly. Then. Yeah. So when someone says I'm antisocial, they're saying they have social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But when totally. I think of this person, Shelly, I think of that she is purely antisocial. She is right. using her relationships to her advantage. She completely lacks remorse, mm-hmm. right? Like when her friend Kathy dies at her hand, mm-hmm. the first thing she thinks about is, oh no, I'm going to get caught. Let's kill my nephew. Right. So there's, yeah, there's something missing there. Yeah. And is it a brain issue? Like, I've always wanted to know, like, is it something like you were born and you were a sociopath? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone, everyone always wants to know. I think it's that age old question of nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, with Shelly, I mean, you know, she comes from a broken home. I, by no means, if you come from a broken home, doesn't you're mean, automatically yeah, a sociopath. Exactly. Yeah. However, you know, so there are some correlations. But it sounds like she had two parents that were looking out for her, mm-hmm. and it sounds like they had a really hard time with her. Right. Um, and it, it just, it's not an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. You know, there's documentation of the abuse she gave mm-hmm. to each of these people. So deep sigh that was a lot and that wasn't even like oh my god that was a whole saga yeah that was a saga that was kind of a long one i do apologize no that was great i fully was like in entranced the whole entire time yeah okay well well, i'm definitely definitely gonna have you pour me some more yes bring that glass over here Let's see if we, the mic will pick up the glug. Ooh, good call. Look at that pour. Okay, guys, are we ready for my stalker story? I'm like, will I be scared? Okay, so it's more creepy than anything. And the fact that it's still unsolved is one of the more creepy factors to me. Okay. And we're definitely going to take some time at the end to, like, discuss our theories. Good, good, good. Because I want to know what people are thinking, a.k.a. you. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> so, here we go, y'all. This is the story of the phantom stalker of Bill and Dorothy Wacker. I mean, a phantom. Yeah, this is serious business. Phantom stalker. Phantom. So that just makes me think of like it has it's a tragedy. <laughs> like when I, well like I think of Phantom of the Opera. Like, yeah. Oh god, that's a good musical. Yeah. Oh my god. So Bill and Dorothy were this elderly couple, lived in a quiet small town in Ohio. Um I mean, I don't know much about Ohio, but I think of like this cute little farm town. They'd lived there for 48 years, very quiet. 
It's the kind of place where you don't lock your doors. <laughs> don't even know if I should get started on that tangent. Yeah, I <laughs> sometimes I don't lock my door, people. Yeah, so every time we go up to Emily's cabin in the middle of nowhere, thank you, um, she doesn't want to lock the door. And my anxiety is way too high for that, so I need the door locked. And well, do you feel in the moment like I'm anti-locking? Like I'm so no, not at all. Like you would never be like against me being like, no, leave the door locked. But also, you don't think about it to yeah. lock the door. Which me, I'm like, yeah. After watching five episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, I'm gonna lock the door. Yeah, so, we actually did that. No, that's real life. That was an actual We thing. watched Unsolved Mysteries, and I was like, let's go to bed. <laughs> I'm like, so let's, lo let's lock that door before we go to bed. Yeah, um, good thing you're around. But, yeah, I just feel like, well, okay, it's because of this one serial killer that I uh, read about. It was the Sam of Sun killer, David Berkowitz. And Wait, Son of Sam. <laughs> Yeah, Son of Sam. said Sam was Son. Did I make that up? <laughs> it's Son of Sam for sure. No, so I think you said the opposite. Over there? We'll, we'll, we'll play it back. We'll play it back and we'll see. Edit this out. Edit this. Cut it. Um, but he always, his theory was that if he tried to break into a house to kill someone and it was locked, he was not going to enter because that was a sign that he wasn't allowed in. But if it was unlocked, then he would go in, kill the person, drink their blood. Like, whole deal. Whole shebang. That's a vampire. No, he was. <laughs> I think that was his mindset. Yeah, but that's that, the thing. Like, you're invited in. Right. You're Your door's so, unlocked, so, so I'm allowed in. So if I leave the door unlocked, I'm inviting Exactly. Death. Not death, necessarily, I mean, but you're inviting someone in. Yeah, I'm saying... I don't care. You're saying, come on in, jump in bed. Yeah. Basically. Jump in bed? Who do you think I am? <sighs> Sorry. Okay. Anyway, sidetrack. <laughs> okay. So Bill and Dorothy Wacker, like, had no enemies. They were very well liked, you know, just your classic cute little elderly couple. When one day in 1984, they came home to their home completely ransacked, but nothing was stolen. Ransacked. Ransacked. Such so a good word. Can you tell me the definition of ransacked? Because mm -hmm. I feel like it's a great word. Love it. It reminds me of like flabbergasted. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's like a word you hear from like a newscaster. Right. It was ransacked. But I don't ever say it. We should start saying it more. I think. I mean, I think. Give, me, give me an example of like. I'm going. Ransacked? Well. We are going to ransack the pantry later and eat all the Cheez-Its. That is the perfect example. Okay. Okay. But in this context, their home was ransacked. So, so it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean like I'm going to eat everything. It means I'm going to You're like, going to throw the Cheez-Its everywhere. <laughs> Basically. So you want to litter my home. Yeah, I want to make a mess of your home. <laughs> and maybe eat a few. So... <laughs> Got it. Okay, so their home is ransacked. ransacked, but nothing was stolen, so they did not alert the police. Which for me, I mean, I would have called the police right away. I wouldn't even have stepped inside the home. I would have been outside the home calling the police because I feel like that's such a violation for your private space. Um, 
Yeah. But they didn't want to get the police involved. That's nothing was stolen. so confusing. Like, how do you... How do you even know that nothing was stolen? I think they just did, like, a quick inventory. Because yeah. for me, I'd be like, let me go to my valuables. Like, not that I have anything valuable in my place. <laughs> but I'd be like, okay, cheese it TV, cheese it <laughs> MacBook. Okay, cool. We're good. You're <laughs> solid. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely be like, okay, I have a passport now yeah still right and like that's even it even then you could just report that stolen you know be fine but like yeah if there was like jewelry maybe you know like an elderly couple yeah. had like some expensive items i don't know but nothing was stolen so they go on with their lives a few weeks later their house gets broken into again nothing stolen still do not alert the police so this is the second time in like a matter of like three to four weeks. So yeah, like that's stressful. Stressful. And imagine like also being like elderly and you know, like kind of frail. I don't know, that's what I'm imagining. And like I mean feeling helpless. Maybe you're telling me this story because like I'll need to start locking my doors more. Yeah, this is a warning. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, they were obviously on the same page I am. Right, they small were, town, nothing bad's gonna happen. Yeah, they were thinking, small town, if I lock this door, that means there's something scary I need to keep out of here. So I'm gonna live in ignorance, ignorance is bliss, I'm safe this false pretense of life. Right. You guys have the same Even mindset. though they're getting ransacked. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care. Two times, still they left their door open. But, like, like also, like, Bill and Dorothy, you didn't deserve what happened. No, here. they did not. Even if you left your door unlocked, that is actually not an invitation in your home. Some would say. Some would say. Okay, but then, but then, my notes say this exactly. Third time's a charm. It happens for a third time in January 1985. And they finally alert the police. Thank God. Finally, they came to their senses after three times. Three times of violation. But, you know, one thing I do want to add, like, I'm thinking of, first of all, like... I don't know what it's like to be an elderly person. Mm -hmm. I also don't know what it's like to have grown up in a different generation. You right, know, sometimes, that's true. Sometimes, like, I can only imagine, like, being in a different stage of life and being so afraid of the upcoming changes in your life. Like, especially, like, with the older people I talk to in my life, and those are mostly people in my family, like, there's this really big fear of, like, being in a nursing home, mm. and, you know, I, I can kind of, sim I mean, I 100% can, can sympathize with the idea, like, if I start, if I talk to the police, and, like, people in the law get involved, like, maybe my life will change in a way that, mm -hmm. like, I'm not ready for. Right. You know, like, if there's... It's going to create turmoil, which is, yeah, like... Yeah, like, what if, what if the police deem them to, like, not be safe at their house and blame them for not locking their door, right? <laughs> and, and deem, and yeah, deem, and deem them to be, like, unable to take care of themselves. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. there could be, like... Some reasons why they wouldn't. Yeah, maybe. and they 
yeah, like I could I could see why there would be some fear around involving the law. Yeah, no, I totally get that. So they do a full investigation. The police finally come, they like look around, but they don't find anything. They don't find any evidence or they can't find a motive also. They don't know why someone would want to commit this crime. Because honestly, like racking my brain, mm-hmm. why would someone want to commit this crime for like this elderly couple? Breaking into their home, not yeah. stealing anything. And it sounds like, like you said, like they don't have enemies. Exactly. It's a small town. Like their house has been broken into, like, I mean, two times, now three times. Yeah. But, like, even after the second time, they were like, whatever. Like, <laughs> maybe so, it was just someone who was really drunk. Yeah. Could be. I mean, that would they listen to sure happen in Chico. California. What's up? Go visit. Okay, (laughs) so Bill and Dorothy finally try to go back to normal, but they're very hypersensitive to, like, any small sound or, like, any totally weird thing in their daily lives. I'm going to turn my hearing aid up to a thousand. All the way. 100%. So things go back to normal for about six months, and then in July 1985, Dorothy is recovering from heart surgery. Um, when there is a loud pounding at the door. No. Yeah. I don't like this. Do we think it's the Phantom Stalker? Heart I don't surgery? know. Yeah, I don't know if it was, like, the stress from everything that's going on, or, like, if she always had heart problems, but, Where I mean... Where was Bill? I don't know. Bill was out. He was, like, living it up. I don't know, but he left Dorothy alone. Maybe they had a cute little dog. But it also was during the day. We have to remember that. So maybe, like, Bill was just going to the grocery store and Dorothy's recovering. Yeah, maybe she was like, I would really like some chocolate. Ice cream. Yes. (laughs) Either. Yes. Both. I would love to ransack some ice cream. So So she hears a loud pounding at the door. She opens the door. It's a young white male with blonde hair. Okay. He's standing there asking to use her phone. So, you know, she gives him the up and down. And this is like, this is also the 80s. The 80s. Like, it's not, like, now, like, people don't come up to your house asked to use your phone and you also would never let someone in like i know yeah. i wouldn't at least because i would yeah like i would have the idea like okay if this someone really needed to reach someone like they would call them on yeah the phone. or i would be like give me the number i'll call for you but you're standing outside yeah you know like yeah. there's no way i'm letting someone come into my house or like let me like if you're in trouble let me call the police yeah and they will come help you exactly yeah so dorothy lets him in to use the phone because he seemed harmless classic mistake classic serial killer 101 do not let anyone yeah, who's harmless into your home and don't help people moving furniture either because they will push you into the back of their van that's the time for a different story but i need that story (laughs) that's ted bundy that (gasps) yeah that was one of his ploys i knew more about him yeah okay we'll save that for another time but (laughs) so dorothy lets him use the phone she hears him talking you know he's in the living room she's in the kitchen you know whatever giving him privacy um, she hears him talking, he hangs up the phone, and then he leaves the house, but he doesn't say goodbye, which she thinks is kind of weird. Like, I just let you use my phone, wouldn't you be like, hey, bye, yeah. thanks for letting me use your phone. Yeah, so she's like, 
Yeah, like, I mean, part of us wants to say, like, I'd be in there watching him make the phone call. Yeah. But I guess it's just, like, different times. Totally different times. You know, it sounds like, you know, she... I mean, it's also, I think, before, like, before the, t- like, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but, like, the early 2000s and onward, like, there wasn't shows about crazy serial killers. Mm-hmm. There weren't... There weren't podcasts that talked right. about true crime. Like, it was just kind of, like, bad things happen to bad people. Right. And think about the time that they probably got married in. Like, what, the 50s? Like, crime didn't happen back then, really. Like, not that it was, like, blown up all over the media. So they probably were, like, very, like, in this kind of sheltered world. And especially, even if crime was happening, it was happening in, like, New York City and, like, bigger cities. It wasn't happening in... Wherever they lived in Ohio. Yeah, I feel like assaults, like physical assaults, sexual assault, like it just wasn't broadcasted. Right, by the media. By the media and like people were very much like, yeah, like you said, sheltered. And Mm -hmm. when you're living in a small community, like you think you know everyone and you're not. Trust people. Yeah, you trust people, which... Which I don't want to say, like, don't trust anyone ever in your life, but, like, you have to be careful. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely in the times we're living in now. Mm-hmm. So, um, she goes to check that he left after he hangs up. And as soon as she enters the living room, she's hit over the back of her head. She wakes up bound and gagged, um, but she's able to crawl over to the kitchen window and attract the attention of her neighbors to help. Okay, so she, what a boss! Like she just this this like eighty year old woman. She just inchwormed like I like I imagine. That's what I'm picturing. Like I'm imagining my ankles and my wrists tied together. Yep, that is a badass. That is an inflexible ass position. Right, and then crawling. Yeah, like, like how do you not crawl unless you're using? She's just like. Wiggling your movement right there. (laughs) She was like a little caterpillar. Yeah, she's incredible. And then she somehow got the attention of her neighbor without the dude noticing. No, he. So she woke up hours later, and he was gone by then. Okay, I was like, dang. So yeah, she finally (laughs) gets the attention of her neighbors. The house was searched, and they found that random items this time were stolen. A revolver, an antique watch, a movie camera, and a radio scanner. So super random, like, assortment of items. Um, And then the weirdest part was that a message was scribbled in crayon. Cheaper, but will do. Like, what? What does that mean? So I'm thinking right now, like, First of all, I feel like the things he took, even though they were super random and not that valuable, mm-hmm. when I think about a watch and I think about, um, what did you say? Like a, a movie camera. A movie camera. And then, I'm totally... A radio wine, scanner. This wine is hitting me. What's the, <laughs> what's the first thing you mentioned? A revolver. A revolver. Like that, those are so easily traceable. Yeah, right. The serial number, you know, yeah. on the revolver. Yeah, like, so if if you're implicated in a crime later, like, that is already a missing weapon. Right, right. Like, it's, that's so weird. 
just super random. And like I was saying, they're like, they could have taken more valuable items, but they didn't. They didn't take cash. They didn't take, you know, jewelry. Yeah. I mean, other than this antique watch. Yeah, and, but, he, and even if she was tied up, I'm assuming this, the ransacking and this assault are related. Directly, right? yeah. And so Bill wasn't there. This person must, must have known Bill was coming home that Dorothy would survive. Like, right. Just, There's so many factors. And, yeah, and her, so they, Dorothy saw his face. I was just about to say that. I was like, this person knew that Dorothy was going to remember what he looked like, but he wasn't concerned about that, which is a weird factor and to wouldn't me. There, wouldn't there be, like, I mean, you might get into it, but, like, fingerprints on the phone? No. that I can <gasps> one, say that one thing about this entire case there was no fingerprints ever. Hence, Phantom. Phantom Stalker. But, yeah, okay. nothing. Okay. Keep so, after this incident, they started to receive harassing phone calls at all hours of the day and night. Some were people just picking up the phone, not saying anything. Some were heavy breathing. Some were just swearing. And others were just, you know, offensive, like, sexual things being said into the phone. But, like, at all hours. Did did they... Were they able to identify that it was, like, the same voice? They, they knew it was coming from the same person. Okay. But, like, they changed their phone number multiple times. But the calls still continued. Yes. Every single time they got their new number and was able to still continue this these person work at AT&T like <laughs> what hey I'm just trying to sell you some <laughs> okay so, but then another weird weird like part Phantom, of the story aura. the stolen items no started to reappear on their doorstep wrapped in a plastic shopping bag wiped clear fingerprints why 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 I don't know. Like, what is the point of this? Like, I couldn't wrap my mind around, like, number one, why are you harassing this poor elderly couple? Why are you going through such great lengths to, like, continue this? Yeah. Okay, so then it escalates. The harassment continues so much that they hear banging on their walls and doors at night. No. But no one is there. Why? Is it like a... Policeman, like, patrolling. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Or, like, they're friends? We'll get there. That's part of the story. Thank you. Thank you. So, they put up lights outside to, like, you know, try. It's a step in the right direction. Or get, like, a dog. Right. Something. So, once they put up their lights, the phantom stalker leaves a note that says... In cram. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't specify. But it says, your lights are a laugh. <laughs> I died at that. I died. All right. Well, your if you lights guys can't are... hear, another glass is being poured for Let's that stupid ass comment. Pour one out for that comment. Your lights are a laugh. <laughs> Dude, they're trying their best. They're just trying to stop this phantom stalker. <laughs> like, leave them alone. Yeah, I freaking phantom so this kind of behavior continued through the years so let's see the first attack was in 1985 in 1993 
Dorothy is attacked again. <gasps> so that's seven years. And meanwhile, so Dorothy whole... Dorothy might as well be like eighty now. Right. Poor She's not woman. a spring chicken. That's for I'm sure. I'm gonna call my grandma tomorrow. Right. I can't. Make sure she has lights outside or something. I don't know. So Ooh. at this point, a stakeout is held by her friends and family. I know this is what you're waiting for. I thank God. So they're all, you know, taking turns, they're hanging out, and um, they hear, I, what I'm imagining is like, they're all at the front of the house at this point of the time, because I think they're starting to wrap up, you know, calling it a night. They hear pounding at the back of the house. They go back, they find a note that says, get the message. <laughs> What message? I don't know. But how? What was the first message? Cheaper. (laughs) Cheaper, but it'll do or something. (laughs) That's the only message you have really. Get the message. So how in the hell did this phantom stalker get around everyone at the stakeout? I mean, maybe he went through like the backyards of people. But he has to be constantly monitoring this whole whole situation which is crazy for me you know mm-hmm. and then the next note which is really sad the phantom stalker continued this harassment until bill passed away in 1999 oh my gosh and further wait, wait, wait. so this started in 85 started in 84 84 so that's 15 years yeah daily phone calls banging pounding Dorothy getting assaulted. Like their grandchildren grew up. Right. In this crazy So time. Bill passes away in 1999, and then Dorothy passes away in 2010. No one Dang, knows. Dorothy. She outlived Bill after all. I mean, like, she's badass. After that heart She survived surgery. heart surgery, two assaults, daily harassment. Like, honestly, cheers to Dorothy. Cheers. Tells Dorothy. But to this day, no one knows who or why. I like I'm really fighting the instinct to like Google this immediately and like. So do you want to know a theory? Which I'm kind of okay. Let's down. talk about it first. We'll talk about the theory. Okay. So, hmm. Let's talk about some of the details. Mm-hmm. You might not know the answers to this. Okay, it's totally fine. Do they have children? They probably do, but that wasn't a part of the story at all. Okay. Who were the people involved in the stakeout that you're aware of? It just said family and friends. Okay. So I'm assuming it's not like sisters, brothers. I'm assuming, I mean, it probably, I mean, it's probably their neighbors because they like. Probably know what's going on. Yeah. They saw like Dorothy in her, the worst moment of her life Mm -hmm. being tied up. What's your gut reaction? Who is this? My gut reaction feels like it's not a family member. That's what the main theory is. The main theory is that it's Bill. What? Is your mind blown? Yes! I was going to say my my gut reaction is it's a rando who is just like like kind of a conversation we had earlier was talking about psychopaths and 
a lot of what happens before a murder or mm. an assault, it's there's kind of these testing. I don't want to say behaviors, but these testing um, things <laughs> or events that happen mm -hmm. where someone kind of sees what they can get away with, mm -hmm. what it feels like. Yeah. And I feel it sounded like there's someone who was kind of seeing what they what they could get away with, right? Like it started with a ransacking. Mm -hmm. They got away with it. They did it again. The third time, they tied someone up. They're just they escalating. Took, they, yeah, they took some things. Like, it just it just felt, like, weirdly, like, this experiment. I can actually see where, what you're saying. Totally. Like, yeah. it's someone kind of maybe practicing and, like, to see, like, to getting the thrill of, like, you know, that kind of behavior. Yeah, and like you said, someone, like, just tested their door. Yeah. Like, and... It was unlocked. So there's two things when I was reading out the theories that made me think it was a family member after reading this. Okay. They said, number one, one of their points was they changed their phone number so many times. So, like, someone oh, would have to yeah. somehow find their phone number each time. But if it was a family member, they would obviously get that new information. So that was one of their points where, like, if you were a family member, you would have it so easy to have that information. And yeah. number two was the stakeout. Like, that was just too weird. Like, how would someone sneak in to leave that note? It would make a lot more sense if it was a family member who was doing it and kind of, like, was there. Or Bill himself. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what you mentioned they never moved right no like you said i think you said they lived in this house when this for started a for like 50 yeah years. right okay um yeah that's so it's weird because they changed their phone number but mm -hmm. it was very obvious that that person knew where they lived Right, I think they were trying to get away from the harassing calls, but yeah, like, hello, yeah. this person broke into your home yeah, three times. Yeah, like, this person knows where you live. Right. Like, you're not <laughs> safe by changing your phone number. Right. But, yeah, that, it just, there doesn't seem, there's no other people of interest mentioned in this whole story. Right. It's just a vague, um... The theory like, is like a vague family member, but like, who? And it's also like the theory of Bill being behind it. Like that just does not add up. No, that doesn't make sense. The like, more I think lived, about it, they I'm lived. Like, they lived together for fifty years before this started happening. Right. Why? Like, why all of a sudden would he want to do this? And then. Like she lets this rando into her house, and who then, was that guy? Like, who, like, go investigate that. Who was he? Yeah. Because that's directly correlated. And, the, yeah, and it's like, why would this rando come in and then Bill decide, like, oh, I'm going to hit my wife on the... On. <laughs> when, and if he right. did, and if Bill was the person who did it, then there'd be a witness. Like, it, right. just, it just... It doesn't make sense. But, so. like, this story just, like, kind of intrigued me because my grandma to this day, says that someone calls her and just heavy breathes. And I don't, 
I never really took it very seriously, but she would always get very like upset about it. And I'm like, well, can you tell me anything more about this? She doesn't have call ID. You know, she kind of just has like... your mom's mom? Yeah. You've met her. Yeah, you've met her. She's just like, oh, I'm... Because sometimes she'll answer the phone like, what? What do you want? I'm like, grandma, like, are you okay? And she's like, no, like, I'm just getting so frustrated. Like, someone just calls me, doesn't say anything, and just breathes. And it got me thinking. I'm like, why would someone do that? And when I saw this story, it kind of just, like, hit home. Like, mm-hmm. why would someone do that? It doesn't make sense. To- yeah, and so that's the story of the Phantom Stalker, y'all. Um, that is so interesting because I have not ever heard a story, first of all, like that, but a story where there's absolutely no leads. Right, just, like, we don't know why, we don't know who, that's the best we got for you. It's yeah. so intriguing. And, yeah, like, we don't know if that random young blonde who, man. Who was he? Yeah. Who was he? Was he involved? We'll like, never know. <laughs> like, it acts like the mystery of this whole case. Like, it could have hurt it my soul. Been, it could have been, like, Someone, someone told, like, told him to go inside, make a phone call, and then leave, and then this, yeah. you know, like... This is it, what keeps me up at night, though. Like, these <laughs> unsolved mysteries, I'm yes. serious. Like, one person knows what happened. They might be dead now, they might not, but someone knows. And so, just to pref, like, say this, if any of you know a story that you want to, like, talk yes. about, or a crime that really intrigues you, like, let us know, and, like, we'll try to, like dive into it and share the story with y'all yeah why do I keep saying y'all I'm so sorry no y'all (laughs) y'all is a great use of language be I mean I'm saying this as a therapist because (laughs) I've noticed it today yeah I I'm I'm a millennial I still say you guys I'm trying to end that because not everyone identifies as Yeah, well. it just comes out. So y'all is actually preferred for me. So oh, perfect. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, I'll keep using it. <laughs> so, them. yeah, we can, we can keep using y'all. I just feel like I'm, like, f- trying to, like, copy no- someone from the South, and I feel like an imposter. There's nothing wrong with saying you all. That's true. And we're going to shorten it to y'all. Okay. That's cool. Perfect. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers to y'all. <laughs> So, guys, to end it, no matter what your hummins is, lock your doors, stay safe, and crime and wind down with us next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.